1: to a special episode of Media Matters, ladies and gentlemen. It is less than 48 hours or around 48 hours when I will be making my way to Wembley. So you can all hate me now just for saying that and getting into the stadium. But it is about 48 hours or so before Liverpool play Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. So with that in mind, we thought we want to talk everything Chelsea. We even want to revisit the greatness of Luton the other night. All the things from a Pep Linders. Yes, a Pep Linders press conference as well. So who else would I get to join me but the renowned and respected David Lynch? So, David, I know it's going to be a crazy busy, I'd say day, but 40 hours coming up for you, isn't it, realistically?
2: Yeah, it's always a a big build-up to a cup final, isn't it, as well, and and, and the excitement that goes with all that. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. And, you know, there's a few challenges in Liverpool's way going into this one, but I think, you know... Off the back of of Wednesday, that everyone's feeling really, really positive, and hopefully, you know, even with the some players missing and and all that that's going on around that, Liverpool can can get that first trophy on the board this season and set up a, a potential quadruple. So, re- really exciting time of year, really.
1: Yeah, if you can't be excited, people, it's February. Think back to last season. We're still talking about a potential quadruple. Insane, isn't it, really? And for this special, ladies and gents, we will talk through a bit around Luton because we've got to revisit that. Why wouldn't you? We'll talk about Pep Linder's press conference, what he said, what he was asked specifically, maybe even who was asking him the questions as well. We'll talk about Chelsea's threats. And we'll even start to think about the lineup, which may be the most difficult thing to pick for the final with everything going on, but we shall give it our best. I mean, we've got to rewind, first of all, David, to Wednesday night. That Luton game, I mean, 4-1, down at half-time to end up with a result of 4-1, especially, you know, the, the backstory, the injuries, the players, I mean, clock. Klopp literally bounced round Anfield, didn't he, at the end and bounced into that press conference at the same time as well. This is a simple question, but I think I've got to ask it. How big was that victory for you?
2: Yeah, I, I described it in the, in the post-match as sort of momentous, really, and I, I stick by that. I mean, you know, yeah, people will, will say to you, oh, look, it's only loot and get over it. But the, the obstacles yeah. that were placed in Liverpool's way... Uh, Ahead of that game, were just ridiculous, and to to come out with a win in the way they did, to, to put together a second half performance that wasn't just oh a decent performance for for what is essentially a second string side, or a lot of it was. Uh, it was a decent performance in the context of the entire season. It was it was as good as anything Liverpool had produced in terms of blowing a, a, an opposition away. And you know, I just thought, like I say, there was there was so much going into it. that was there was up against, obviously all the injuries they already had then you throw in Salah and Nunes not even being part of the squad on top of that and um, the fact that Luton uh, uh, have really hit form of late they'd already took a point off Liverpool even when Liverpool had a, a, you know, a more full squad of yeah. well so uh, you know, and then one nil down at halftime, having missed a load of chances, it was just it, it just looked like it was set up for okay. This is the week that the season falls apart. You know, this is this is it now. It's you can you can get by with so many injuries, but but maybe Liverpool have crossed that threshold, and this is where it proves to be too much. And that you know, people could say, oh, we you know, Liverpool are still putting a great side out on the pitch, and you know, you look at the quality of the play they were able to call upon. Yeah, absolutely, but the, the the difference maybe between a side that. You know, wins the title or pushes for the title and wins every week, and yeah. the side that challenges for the top four maybe is is the quality of player. And when you take, say, Salah, Nunez, and Jota all of a sudden out of your attack, you're much closer in in terms of what the quality of your attack looks like to say Tottenham Hotspur, who, who you could envisage dropping points at home to Luton, than you are, yeah. you know, Manchester City, who never drop points in those sorts of games, or very, very rarely, or, or you know, Liverpool at the best. So. It's all about the quality of players. So, you know, it wasn't, although I uh, agree that there was quality on the pitch and Liverpool still have a very strong squad. You looked at that lineup and it, it's entirely feasible that that's a team that drops points to loot and it can, it absolutely could happen. So, you know, at half time, feeling absolutely terrible, to be honest, and thinking yeah. Liverpool have created chances and pressed quite well. I thought that first half performance was actually decent in elements, mm. but maybe that lack of quality the attack or, or top, top end quality is, is going to tell. And what we actually got was, yeah, like I say, one of the best second halves of the season, absolutely tore Luton to bits in a phenomenal atmosphere um, and, a, and a great win that keeps Liverpool on track for winning the Premier League. And, and it, it really was one of the great Liverpool wins under Jurgen Klopp and it, it really should go down to that, you know, regardless of the level of opposition.
1: Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually think in a way and imagine from a journalist's perspective, at halftime, the story was half written thinking, oh God, what am I going to have to finish? And it just gets torn up by the end because of what happens in the second half. And it's like you say, just the realisation of the players out. It doesn't matter which team you're talking about. If you took any good team's entire first choice, front three out, two of their three in midfield and their goalkeeper, I bet every team's probably going to struggle or have some difficulty. So whilst it's being underplayed or... Why people are saying that I don't really know, but there we go. It, yeah, sensational that second half. I mean, this is probably a tough ask because so many rose to the fore, especially in that second half. Man of the match for you, or did you sort of spread it across multiple
2: people? I thought really, really tough to to say. To be honest, I, I mean, I just saw so many good performances in that second. I mean, even even great performances in the first half. Don't get me wrong. I thought, like I said, I, I thought even though I thought things were going against Liverpool and they were, you know, it, it, they were one nil down and I had a negative feeling around it. It was more that, oh, they're going to continue to miss chances and then Luton are going to hit them on the counter again. It's going to be two nil and it's going to be too much to come back to. I actually thought they were playing well in that first half as well, particularly not necessarily the front three were the ones who were missing the chances, but certainly in midfield were doing a good job. I thought the defence was holding up pretty well. Um, so, you know, I thought across the 90 minutes, a lot of good performances really. So, Quite hard to pick one out. I mean, I, I think I picked him out of the Brentford result for the same reason, actually, but maybe it's because I keep being surprised by him, but I really enjoyed Gravenberg again. Yeah. I another really good performance from him. I'm not saying man of the match 100%, but I thought I thought he was Liverpool's best presser across the 90 minutes. They kept threatening Luton in that way and he was he was the absolute best at it. Kept the ball really sensibly. and And, and again, what I loved about it was that the, you know we've talked about inconsistency with him, but you know so after the Brentford game he played well. It wouldn't have been sh- completely shocking in the context yeah. of his Liverpool career so far if he'd been a little bit quieter in this one. But he wasn't. I thought he was excellent. Uh, in fact, loved everything the midfielders a whole did. McAllister Endo brilliant. Their, their partnership is starting to work a little bit better. I, I'm I'm starting to to really get on board with the idea of McAllister in an advanced role. You know, I've spoken against that in the past, but but really enjoyed his performance and he's seeing more of the ball. And I think Liverpool are working it out a little bit more. So just yeah, loads to love. And then obviously, actually I don't want to not mention Connor Bradley, who's just a joke <laughs> um, just too 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 good. Actually, he can have man of the match. There you go. Yeah, it's I mean the
1: the kids we keep almost we keep panicking each week. We've done it almost all season, like as kids, as Kwanzaa, Bradley, what's it gonna mean? And it seems the more and more Jurgen Klopp introduce, almost the better they are. I mean, I'm trying not to be carried away as we talk about each week, but just from his cameo, Jaden Dans might be Roberto Firmino incarnate, just that little turn swivel. I mean, this did show though, as well as McConnell coming on at the same time. This really is a, a golden period for the Academy, isn't there? There's no other I know you follow the Academy closely, you have done for a while. There's no other way to describe it, is there,
2: surely? Yeah, it's it's just crazy out the the quality of play they keep picking out. And I mean, they spoke about Bradley, and he got a, rightly got a lot of plaudits again for his performance on Wednesday. But you almost don't even nobody really talks about Quanza. You know, he, he's just he, he's so good that basically the manager, with all the injuries that have got Liverpool missing maybe seven or eight of what would you yeah. would call the strongest eleven, and he still thinks, but you know what, I want to keep Canate out of this because I don't want to give him a muscle problem ahead of the final. I'll just go with Quanta. So he so he, he does that himself. He's that's a, a choice he made. It wasn't an injury yeah. or a fitness worry or anything like that. He made that decision despite all the things that were going against Liverpool. Because Quanta is that good. Um and, and as you say, you know, that that's alongside what Bradley's doing. Um, you know, let's not forget the Liverpool and missing Jones and, and Trent Alexander Arnold who came from their academy. And then you get the other youngsters coming on late on you know really enjoyed every time I've seen Bobby Clark so far this season yeah, connell looks a really solid player uh, real quality on him and, and then yeah Jaden Dans you know he's spoken and uh, not too long ago actually about watching a lot of Firmino and trying to pick up those elements of his game and you could see that straight away I mean that ball into Gakpo is is brilliant with the it outside is, of his boot and you know the way he sort of chops across it um he's just you know he's he's clearly got the tools to be a, a very good player and I, I also like his his physical profile as well. I think he looks, you know, he looks Big. ready for for man's football, which you know, yeah. some of these kids can get bullied, especially some of the forwards who are prolific at youth level physically are lacking. It, when the you know, there's a couple. I don't want to name names. It's a bit harsh, but there's a couple who've been in and around it sort of in recent years who you always thought they've probably not got the physical profile to play up front for Liverpool. Jim Dans has got that already, and he's very young, and he's clearly got a bit of quality about him as well. Um, An ability to sniff out chances because he was close to a couple of moments where he yeah. would have been slipped in if the if the ball had been spotted. So, absolutely loved his cameo and and just yeah. In terms of positives coming from the academy, it's it's a golden era and, and you know the fact that this is coming just as Jurgen Klopp is leaving, it gives you a lot of hope for what's to come and and, and I'm sure you know, managerial candidates out there will be looking at this and thinking, mm, that's, that looks quite a, a tasty job to take on because this isn't one of those where things are going to fall apart. There's, there's a host of great players to take over, not including the actual first team squad itself.
1: Yeah, this is definitely no traditional rebuild job when a big name leaves, as it were, that yeah, there's so much talent. And I mean, we've got to talk about Peplander's press conference because based on that, we might be seeing some of these on Sunday. So we'll, well, ladies and gents, we'll pull out the sort of key highlights and even a, a couple of questions that we'll get David's thoughts on. I mean, one thing I did want to ask you, Jürgen Klopp press conference, very distinct. I would say Pep Linda's press conference, very distinct, but for different reasons for me. Ha, being in the room, obviously, as you are, how do you see the difference between the two?
2: uh longer answers from pep that's for sure that's why I was a little bit late uh, recording this because it took ages to transcribe what he said he does go into detail and he's a really open guy and um, I, I think that openness is is part of it as well actually not just his ability to give longer answers and go a bit more in detail but he's he's slightly more open when we talk we ask him about injuries as well which yeah. as a journalist is always helpful you know Jurgen, you could see he was dancing around the idea of putting any time scales, wasn't he on the the players who were out in the in the last press conference, whereas Pep just absolutely got into it today, which was which was fantastic and yeah i i think he's open and thoughtful, and do you know what one of the the answers in the press conference I love today, which I think said a lot about him personality wise and what he is like in these presses, but just generally as a person was his answer about, you know, what comes next after Jürgen. And he he spoke about Bill Shankly stepping down, didn't he? And Bob Paisley yeah, coming yeah. in. Now, you know, people... It's he, he, easy to just drop those names, but he clearly knew what he was talking about. You know, it, it wasn't just a, a throwback to, oh, these are the great managers of Liverpool who have been told about. He knew how that succession worked. He knew that Paisley stepped things up. He knew that they were very different characters as well. So he's obviously read a lot and knows a lot about that. And I think that says a lot about him as a man in terms of, you know, he lives and breathes Liverpool football club. This isn't just a job to him. Um, And it's not just, he's just focused on, oh, I want to build a great team and the badge doesn't matter to me. To me, It's, he loves the history and and really has looked into that. And I think that, yeah, like I say, it says says a lot about in that answer and that, Sort of tip advice what his press conferences are like as well. Very thoughtful, uh, very thoughtful guy.
1: Yeah, what I'm not going to lie, it was surprising me where he's giving each individual player the injury, the detail, a timescale as well. Which, yeah, I'm sure is kind of a dream for a, a journalist. And we've got to get into naturally those players. So if we bracket them together, the three obvious ones to start with are Sobotka, Nunes, and Salah. As he said, we got they've got a chance. We really have to see in two more days, and a last minute we'll check. He didn't really give us too much more than Jurgen Klopp, did he? It was still almost a platitude as we'll wait and see. Uh, You know I'm going to ask you, and I know you're not going to have anything, and I understand that, but there's no insight. You can't reassure or answer everyone's prayers that these three are definitely going to be in.
2: I mean, the, the, there's nothing really you can say because, I mean, he could ask Jürgen Klopp that question and I don't think he would be able to give you a good idea because it, the types of injuries are that, you know, he's right to say it's day by day and assess what the pain is like or where, the, you know, is there any tightness or is there any sort of feeling of a slight risk with it? Uh, and I don't think they will take that risk if that's the case because there's a, you know, there's a lot to fight for this season. It's not about getting Salah back for this and he scores a goal and you win the cup and then he's out for six weeks after that. And you've still got to keep a title race together. It's it, you know, they have got to be careful and sensible about this. And I really hope that they are. And, and and I suppose, you know, all you can say on those three is is we'll see. I mean, I did I did I don't know, it's a bit kind of negative. There's I did speak to someone who was kind of close to the situation who, you know, when I suggested, you know, Darwin and and Mohamed Salah would be back for for this one, kind of didn't seem that optimistic about it. But we'll see. we'll see. I mean, that is again. That was a couple of days ago. Very different situation. Very hard to predict. Maybe they will. You know, it'll feel better, and they'll be they'll be good to go. And or maybe make the bench. I'd be amazed if either of them started. I will say that um, because he'd have to train these next couple of days, and that that feels out of the question. Really, I think. But I think if you got either of them on the bench, it, it would be a big, big boost because even if they can do twenty minutes at the end and win the game for Liverpool or stretch things, you know, particularly yeah. Salah and, and and Darwin with the pace, that would be phenomenal. So you know, fingers crossed, we get we get some good news on that. But it's a yeah, it's a nervous wait up to Sunday. and We'll see what happens.
1: I think everyone's desperate to see like training photos. We know that they released on Saturday, but I just don't get a feeling it's going to happen in this regard. They're going to try and keep it as close and as secret as possible. And interestingly, the other thing that Pep did, he went for the longer term ones, didn't he? Start talking about Trent, Hisnark, Allison. So Trent and Allison, he confirmed specifically after the international break. Curtis, as he kind of rephrased it slightly around the international breaks and the other two after Curtis around the international break. The only thing that I want to ask you about, because he kind of giggled about it, it made me slightly nervous. He goes, When we're saying after the international break, it does mean though we're not completely sure. So it was kind of like a time frame, but they're not a time frame. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did.
2: And in the end... What will I become?
3: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play
1: it now with Game Pass.
3: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted... Mag boxes and games consoles. Visit liberty shield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
2: Yeah, I i guess what he's saying with, with some of the ones after the international break. So, Jot is the best example. When he says after the international break, he means it will be the other side of the international break, but he won't be back for Brighton, that's for sure. I think that that two-month sort of layoff that was reported in Portugal, that's, that feels about right um, and, and and I think it chimes with everything that we've heard since then. So, you know, I think if everyone gets in the head that he could be back for mid-April, considering the fact it looked like he might have done his ACL, I'd absolutely consider that a boost. I know, yeah, yes, it's a blow, but if you can get a couple more back around it and just boost the squad a little bit, then, you know, to get Jota back in the business end of the season to score winning goals in in game after game, that would be fantastic. So, uh, I, I feel like that's a boost. And I think, you know, with Curtis him saying around the international break, that again suggests, you know, could he sneak him for that, that last game before the break? Yeah. And if not, then he'll definitely be back after that. So that's great news. Similar with Alisson, he'll, he'll be back after the international break. And again, Trent, you know, if it's a recurrence of his last issue, we think he was out for three weeks. Wait, so yeah. again, you know, we'll chat. Would we'll chime similarly in terms of you think he'll just be back after the international break. So I think that's the picture. I think the only one, the uncertainty around is Jota because it's slightly longer. Um, But for me, really, that that I felt like that the updates there were, were kind of good news in that once you realised all these players were going to be out for a while, you start thinking it could be anything. So uh, uh, you know. To get them all back after the international break or except Jota, maybe that, you know, the squad's going to be looking a lot better at that point. No doubt. And
1: especially the fact that Zaboslai, Salomon and Nunes, even if they don't make Sunday, they're clearly not far away. So it's three big players coming back to offer a real boost, three rest- starters.
2: One point I would make as well on this is that I think it's absolutely vitally important that Liverpool win that FA Cup game against Southampton. Yeah. To to book in another FA Cup game, and okay, you could get a horrible draw or whatever, but you know. Jurgen's probably going to mix things up in terms of his team, regardless of what Liverpool get, because he's he's going to have to with how the season's going and how many injuries Liverpool have got. And if you do that, it bumps the Everton game. You've only got two league games then before the international break. That for me is absolutely vital because to, to you know to have Everton away when you've got a few more players back would be a huge boost. So you know a lot riding on that Southampton game for me off the back of these updates.
1: Yeah, no doubts at all. Who can't believe we're actually saying at this time of the year. We're looking forward to a potential international break, and it would actually (laughs) help. Crazy to say, but it's true. And the other thing I've got to call out in the press conference, it was your own question, wasn't it, around Pep Linders and whether he thought of throwing his own hat into the ring. So I won't give away the answer. I'll let you answer that one and what your thoughts were on the details that he gave you back.
2: Yeah, it was kind of evasive, really. I thought, you know, I'd asked a similar question to to Billy Hogan in a press conference when Jürgen was leaving and Jürgen himself actually answered that as well and spoke about it. And I've just never got the impression that it's ever been an option now. The reasons why, I'm not sure. Uh, You know, I I think it's the right decision because I think, you know, in terms of his managerial career, he hasn't proved that he's ready to take on a job of the stature of Liverpool. You know, he's great as a coach. He is, don't get me wrong, and a brilliant football mind, great character, but... I think there's maybe an acceptance behind the scenes and uh, although no one will confirm it publicly that maybe he's not experienced enough and he needs to go and try it elsewhere before anything like that happens. So he was kind of evasive around that element, but I did think he was interesting on the one, the one thing he did give up in the answer was that he's turned down a lot of opportunities to yeah. stay at Liverpool and, and see this project through with Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp, which I thought was interesting. So, uh, you know, shows that loyalty he's got to Liverpool and to Jurgen, and and yeah, I, I suppose confirmation that he absolutely will not be the man to to uh, to succeed Jurgen Klopp, and, and and in that case, I suppose we'll all watch his, his managerial career from afar from from this point onwards.
1: It's interesting because he he does talk almost like a student, so to speak, of football, but then at the same time he's mentioning like. Paisley following Shankly without that experience. He mentioned Tito, didn't he, following Pep Guardiola without the experience? I was like, okay. But yeah, it's obviously clearly been considered and it's not happening in simple terms. And I did think I'd be saying this to you on Friday, but Big Balls was one of the answers in Pep's questions, you know, that that it was given around the academy and the way they're operating this season. It kind of took a few people by surprise, you could hear in the room, but Fair comment that Liverpool and the Ogan Klopp and Petlins have shown that this season and given the youngsters a chance?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just this season. I, I think back to, you know, when Trent was used, for example, at, at Old Trafford, that was his sort of Premier League debut and stuff. So in terms of what they've shown in, in, in the, the faith in the players and, and the ability to throw them in, even in key moments, you know, Jarrell Kwanzaa just being part of the squad this season and yeah. it's so different to go from like impressing in pre-season or training really well with the squad to then being thrown in against a side who were just trying absolutely everything to undermine you and get past you and and, and, and make a fool out of you. So to be thrown into, to, you know, proper football in that way. Yeah, it, does, it takes a lot of guts in the manager, but, you know, you're getting kids coming through have also got a lot of guts sort or of big balls and to to use the yeah. linders. You, know, you look at the way Connor Bradley plays the game, same with, with Quanta and all these kids who come in, Jane Dan's coming into that situation, not looking overawed. You know, McConnell playing in the FA Cup thought he was really, really good and... and yeah. Played really well. So they're just not scared at all. And it's not just having, you know, there's no doubt when you, you get players coming through an academy like Liverpool, they're going to be competent footballers, going to have the technical elements necessary to play at, at, at quite a high level. But the rest of it is personality. And, and, and Liverpool have really instilled that in them. And, and you can see that when they, when they take to the pitch, there's no fear whatsoever. Um, and, and that is as impressive as anything. And that, I suppose, that helps the manager and his coaches to have the bravery to put them in because. You know that these are the right characters. They're not. They're not cowed by these situations, and 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 that you know is is again testament to the academy that they're not just fulfilling those technical needs, but they're giving them, you know, the basis, the, the personality. They're instilling that in them, and what it means to play for Liverpool. That's in them from a young age, and you know, reaping the benefits of that at the moment.
1: No doubts. Yeah, they they are playing a part in keeping us in a, a quadruple hunt, as it were. And listen, they might be called upon on Sunday, might they, with Chelsea, and then. I did want to talk about obviously actually Chelsea a little bit on the threats, but how you see this game. Because if we rewind about three weeks ago or so, Chelsea get beaten at home by Wolves, Liverpool are a fly-in, and obviously we're looking at certain things and thinking, well, there might even be a situation where Klopp has to decide who doesn't make the match day squad type of three weeks ago, and yet rewind to today and it. They've just drawn against City away. They're starting to get a few results and yeah, we've talked about our situation enough. This Does all these factors make you a bit more nervous than you would have been three weeks ago for Sunday?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I might come to regret this, but I wouldn't say massively nervous. I mean, goodness me, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Chelsea could absolutely beat Liverpool. There's, there's no, you know, let's not. No matter how poor they've been this season, there's still a, a side that's around mid table in Premier League, and and, and a, a team of that level can absolutely beat Liverpool, particularly when they've got all these injuries at the moment. So you know, even if Liverpool had the strongest team out, football is mad things things can happen, and they've got they've got a certain quality of play, and they've got a great manager as well who knows how to set things up. So they absolutely could beat them, but I don't I don't think this. You know, this recent form that Chelsea have shown, I don't feel like, oh, this is an epiphany and this is they're going to be on an unbelievable run between now and the end of the season. I still think they you know not playing very well, uh, you know, even in the City game. That's what they're going to try and sort of recreate against Liverpool, isn't it? That's the, yeah. the blueprint, so to speak, is, is really, really defend and then try and hit on the counter. So that that's how they're going to try and do it. But I thought... You know, as as much as that was a decent performance in terms of opportunities generated against Manchester City and and obviously getting a great result in terms of their overall form this season, you know, still I still think Manchester City had to play very poorly to to drop points in that one. I mean, first half, they basically did nothing. Uh, They only really started playing late in the second half. And when they did that, Chelsea just couldn't get out. They were in massive trouble. You know, if that game had gone on for another five minutes, City would have scored the winner. So... I think if Liverpool don't turn it into a second half game and they they make sure that they come flying out the traps, no matter who they've got on the pitch, then I think they'll give Chelsea real trouble because I think there's still massive issues with that Chelsea side in terms of they've they've wasted a lot of money. There's some players who will not be good enough in, in the long term yeah. who they've they've only bought on bought in recently on these eight year contracts that they've been given out. I just think it's not a great quality side, and I think Klopp has beaten Pochettino many times over the years. He knows what he's coming up against in terms of how Chelsea are going to approach this. So he's going to have the team drilled in terms of protecting counters, not allow, not overcommitting in certain situations, just being patient around how you build up, but also how to un- unpick that defence in the way that City eventually did, but only the once. So, um, you know, I, I'm still really confident for Liverpool because, I, 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 you know, that's only tempered by the injuries, but I, I still think Liverpool have got a better, more cohesive side than, than whatever Chelsea put out and I think that hopefully will, will be the difference but I think it's going to be tighter than it might have been because, because of the injuries are going to be a bit of a problem
1: Do you think that based on like you say Klopp has a great record against Pochettino but with the sort of situation it is at the moment do you think there's any players will make adaptions for Jurgen Klopp and Linders might just be thinking we need to keep an eye on him or someone counters him anything like that at all that you look at as real threats in the Chelsea side at all
2: I think the biggest obvious threat is Cole Palmer. I mean, Pet Linder's mentioned him in his press conference and rightly so. He's Chelsea's best player by a million miles, isn't he? And I think... You know, Jürgen, usually when he's asked about, say, strikers, so every time he's come up against Harry Kane or, you know, Robert Lewandowski or any great striker that, that Liverpool have faced under him, he always talks about the importance of stopping the passes, getting into them now. Yeah. Chelsea's biggest strength isn't necessarily a centre forward. I don't think Jackson's played particularly well so far and Nkunku, and I think, maybe is an injury doubt, in fact. So, um, so it's not about stopping the striker. It's more about stopping the ball being played through. And I think that there will be a little bit of focus on Cole Palmer. Just don't give him the space, you know, not not sit on, sit on him man for man, but make sure it's not easy for him to play his football and get into spaces where he can hurt you. Um, but other than that, you know, you look at the Chelsea side and I don't think there's anyone who's in phenomenal form this season. I mean, the league position tells you that. Again, I'm not, I, I don't want this to be, clipped up and used against me if Chelsea win. Chelsea can absolutely win this game, I'm not saying that, but I I just think Liverpool are much stronger even with the injuries and, and like I say, more cohesive. So I think it's, you know, other than Cole Palmer, I don't think there'll be any specific plans for anyone because Chelsea aren't flying at the moment. They're not, you know, they're not in a great situation. So, you know, I think Liverpool much of what they do will be about how can we impose ourselves, how can we play our yeah. football, how can we produce as good a performance as we possibly can and, and hopefully hopefully get the win in, in a, a comfortable fashion. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: it'd be nice. But history tells us these usually end nil-nil with a penalty shootout, don't <laughs> they? So that's anything but comfortable. But I suppose as the saying goes, you either win the cup final or you don't. It's one of those. And the lineup this, I mean, God, we're almost guessing that. Well, as we're always guessing, but this could be anything. I suppose if we assume for now that Sellers, Aboslai, Nunes are not going to make the starting lineup, based on what we've seen at Luton and who's available, is probably the easiest question. Who might come in? Do you think? I know you said you suspect Kanate straight back into that start starting lineup.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I, I don't think this is a, a difficult pick. I think this picks itself. I, I think that I think the lineup will be. Uh, and you can quote me on this. I think it'll be Kelleher, Bradley, Canate, Van Dyke, Robertson, Endo, McAllister, Gravenberg, Diaz, Elliott, and Gakpo. I, I, because I just don't think you know. Even if Salah and, and Nunes make it, just no chance to start an eleven. I would say uh, just don't have the training in them, um, and, they, and they won't want to take the risk either. Um, and so so that front three picks itself for that reason in midfield, again, injuries, not a lot of options there. You know, and at the back, Robertson was rested for this reason. So Gomez and Bradley was brought off for that reason. So Gomez doesn't really get sniffed sniff there. Canate was rested for that reason. You know, Alisson's injured. So was, and Kelleher was going to start anyway. So I, I think there's, you know, there's so few options that that's going to be it. That the interesting thing will be, you know, what's on the bench and what can you do yeah. from there. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, Salah and Nunes can make it and squeeze into the bench. That would be that would be fantastic news. But we'll we'll have to see on that front.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because there is still still even the potential that on the bench, you know, with the five subs, the options you've got, Gomez, Simic still there. So you've got fullback options at the same time, Kwanzaa, and if you add those three in. Which actually might mean if they are fit, it's a struggle to see the kids getting any real minutes in this one, isn't it? So to speak. But expect, I won't ask you to predict and absolutely put your, your neck on the line, but expecting, because of what you said, a tight affair. Is that a right way to summarise it?
2: Yeah, I think Chelsea are making it difficult for Liverpool to run away with it, and Liverpool don't have their absolute unbelievable quality forward line up there. So that's going to, you know, that, that's a bit of a. A pain really, and, and will make the game tighter than it should be. But I still, I still think even if it's going to be difficult, I'd like to think Liverpool wouldn't allow it to get to penalties. I, I just think, you know, they, they are a better side than Chelsea, and I, I really hope they can show that, even with you know the problems that they're dealing with at the moment. And yeah, so hopefully a Liverpool win in normal time would be would be quite nice.
1: Yeah, a Liverpool win in in any fashion would be nice. Normal time would be even better, no doubt about it. So we get to to lift that cup, but. Like me, if you're going to Wembley, hopefully enjoy your day. If you're not, enjoy it with where, wherever you are, whoever you're watching with. And let's hope that trophy wall is getting updated. So all it really leaves me to say, as ever, David, I know we've caught you on a very busy Friday just before you're heading down to London, wherever. So thank you for your time and your input. Much appreciated.
2: Thanks for having me. Good stuff.
1: And ladies and gents, that was a Media Matters special by Anfield Index.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show.